Thank you so much, Pastor Alonzo. I could listen to you lead us worship all day long. Uh, really a gift. Um, so if you are new today, uh, this is not our normal <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> Everyone would say so. Um, is there some feedback coming back? Okay. Um, what should I do? I don't know. Maybe move this. Okay. Um, so we are, we're grateful for guests. Um, we're grateful that people get to go on vacation. Um, my um, husband, who is uh, one of the co-pastors here, is at home with my sick kids. Um, sick kids are like kryptonite for me. It's probably like the worst possible thing I feel like. I feel so helpless when that happens. Um, so I, it just feels, things feel a little bit different. Um, am I getting still some feedback? Okay, so it's just in my head. All right, that's cool. (laughs) That's good. With all that, let us pray. God, you are great. You are worthy of all our worship and praise. I can't help but to think that who are we that you would even be mindful of us? Such a great God to to sing that you love us, and the Bible tells us so. Pray, God, that that would be what we're rooted in today, that it would be the truth um, that combats the lies, it would be the thing that fills our soul, the thing that heals the deepest ouch. God, would you remind us how great you are, how little we are, and how you love us so. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill this room and each person here and who's been unable to make it. God, we so need you. Have mercy upon us. And may you be glorified um, with my little loaves and fishes. In Jesus' name, amen. So have you guys ever planned a really relaxing getaway? And as you're getting out the door, everybody's like freaking out and super stressed. You've got to pack. Everyone's like arguing. It's like that 80s sitcom, you know, where it's like you're getting out the door and like mom turns around, the kids are fighting in the back of the car, and she's like, everyone, calm down. I want to have a relaxing Has that ever happened? (laughs) Sometimes we get so focused on the goal of what it is we want to accomplish that we miss out on the how to get there as the whole essence of the whole point. We so badly want peace in that other country, so we wage war. We want reconciliation, so we fight with each other to figure out who is right and who is wrong. We want unity, but in the process of it, we cause division. My brother had a crazy ex-girlfriend. Ooh, she was crazy. And she was, we actually called her, well, never mind. We, thank you. See, that's why I prayed about the Holy Spirit filling me. Um, But she was obsessed with getting back to my brother, getting back together, so much that she would do these crazy things, like change his passwords on his computer 
which didn't help that my brother's passwords were all password, um, <laughs> and then would send these weird emails out to people posing as him, to like his boss and things like this, thinking that this would be the thing to help them get back together again. We can't live in a shalomi kingdom of God without embodying the shalomi kingdom of God within us. The how, the what, the why are deeply intersectional. In 2004, I went to go to seminary to learn about what the Bible said about God's heart for the poor and the oppressed and justice. And I wanted so bad to know the what and the why and what scripture had to say. But as I met other champions for justice, allies, I was struck by the vengeance in their heart. The deep hurt to hurt others seems so unjust. The justice people being so unjust in their desire to get justice. I thought to myself, self, if you ever wrote a book, it would be called this, Doing Justice Justly. I began to sing Tina Turner. Excuse me, I'm not a good singer. I'm a little embarrassed because I have Pastor Alonzo here. But... Almost every biblical justice sermon or talk that I had, I found myself singing, what's love got to do, got to do with it? I mean, because it was like the how of this was being missed. I made up a word called hakim when I was in seminary. It's Micah backwards. Because I saw that people were focused so much on just the first part, do justice, and neglected the other two-thirds to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. I said, we got to flip it and reverse it, people. we got to first walk humbly with God and fall in love with God's mercy. And as an overflow, we do justice. If we oppress the oppressor, don't we cause more injustice? The how became foundational for me. When we aim towards God's kingdom of shalom, it's not just the outcome that matters. It's how we get there. I don't have sermon titles very often, but if I had one for today, it would be Montel's Jordan's, this is how we do it. Anyone? Anyone? Anyway. Thank you. Somebody. Somebody. Anyways, that was, that was the jam back in the day. That was the thing. So... So we've been exploring this what, who, when, why of the kingdom of God, and today we're looking at the how. If what the kingdom of God is, which I can, uh-oh, do I not have it on? Oh, you know what, you have to turn it on. This is just kind of one of those Sundays. There we go. What is the kingdom of God? Now, I did turn it on, though. There it is. It is, the kingdom of God is God's authority conspiring with a community of people to restore creation so it reflects the kingdom of God. So then how do we actualize God's kingdom? In the human history of our world, 
When someone wants to start or advance or take over another kingdom, there's usually violence, an abuse of power, force, control. We've seen this in the doctrine of discovery and slavery and colonialism, the crusades, the empires of the past and the presidencies of the present, even in the history of the big C church for the sake of the kingdom of God. We see violence. Can you imagine what it would be like if there was a false king and a false kingdom and the rightful ruler actually comes in? What would our world and our flesh do? There would be violent bloodshed. But here comes King Jesus who overcomes and comes into the darkest empires of the world, not with a militant violence, but overthrows it by dying on a cross. Jesus' way of actualizing the kingdom of peace is strangely, wait for it, through peace. Here we go. Uh-oh. JK. JK, JK. Back one. Can you go to the next one? That's oh, okay. We're going to get to Matthew. Matthew 12, 18 through 21 quotes Isaiah 42. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. So that's the who, right, of the kingdom. I will put my spirit on him. He will proclaim God's justice, righteousness, shalom, wholeness, totality to all the nation, every tribe, nation, and tongue. That's the what. And then here we get to the how. He will not quarrel or fight. He will not cry out or shout. No one will hear his voice in the streets. He won't yell. He won't raise his voice. There will be no commotion in the streets. A bruised reed, a wounded reed, a vulnerable reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick at the very end when it begins to flicker and dance because it's about to snuff out, he won't snuff it out. Till he has brought justice through victory. That's the when. And in his name, the nations from all peoples will put their hope. The why. The world wants to establish justice through reflecting the same hurt that has been inflicted upon them. Through dominance and force. But the end game and the process of God is different and should be. It's not taken by force and manipulation and control. It is nonviolent and it is non-anxious because God's kingdom citizens know and trust a good God who is victorious and worthy. Amen? Romans 14, 17. There we go. 
says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness. That word also is translated as righteousness. And righteousness, we know, every time we see that in scripture, is translated as justice. So it is a living of life of goodness, righteousness, justice, of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because God knows that isn't coming from us. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. The NIV says this, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace, to shalom. God's dream, God's vision of the kingdom of God is nonviolent. It is righteousness. It is peace. It is joy in the Holy Spirit. It is not natural to our flesh. It is a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. So why should we care about the how? Why should we care about the how? Because God does. Your soul matters to God. And it should matter to you too. The how we go about doing the kingdom work matters. I think one of the things that was most pleasing to God about Martin Luther King Jr. and his work for equality and equity was his commitment to nonviolence. If he was proclaiming the desire for human dignity for all, but in the process was dehumanizing people violently in word or action, it would have not been the kingdom of God way. Amen? I've said this story before, um, but when I was a missionary in Asia, um, our first year, we had so much conflict with our team. It was really bad. It was, it was very painful. Um, what I haven't said is that our team had more fruit in our ministry than any other team in the whole city of like 14 million people. We saw people come into Christ more than any other campus ministry. But we had bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment towards one another. I remember one day I was praying and I thought, God, you would be more pleased with us if we had less fruit, but that in our hearts that we genuinely loved each other. If God would so use this little church at West Hills to bring about healing and reconciliation to God and others and justice to the city of Portland, if we did it in a way where we were domineering and egotistical and fighting and backbiting, it would matter greatly to God. What is it if you gain the whole world but you forfeit your soul? God is interested in not just what we do, but how we do it. What kind of heart do we have? Does the goodness and peace and joy of the kingdom of God live and reign in our hearts? But what gets in the way? My What could it look like, and how do we get there? What gets in the way? one. Yep, that's it. Bozo the clown. Now give me a little moment to explain this a little bit. Um, 
If you can go to the next slide. There's a Korean word called Han. Han is the sense of an unresolved resentment against an injustice suffered. It's a sense of helplessness because of the overwhelming odds against a feeling of acute pain and sorrow in one's guts and bowels, making the whole body wiggle. It's an obstinate urge to take revenge and to right things that are wrong. What gets in the way is our own pain and hurt. It is our own unresolved suffering and pain. And what Richard Rohr says is that either we are transformed by our pain or we transmit our pain. Kyung Hyun Kyung, sorry, Chung Hyun Kyung wrote a great book called The Struggle to Be the Sun Again. Um, it's an introduction to Asian American women's theology for those of you guys who are very interested in that topic, like me. Um, her her uh, PhD advisor was James Cohn, who is the father of black liberation theology. And she writes about Han, and she writes and she talks about um, that there's two kinds of Han. There's Jung Han, which is the passive Han. It's the swallow your bitterness Han. It's, it's what many Asian women do throughout history, is we swallow the suffering and we remain silent. It's, um, it's what I call the wallow and swallow. And this is what it looks like with Bonzo. Let's get to Bonzo. Yes, you're getting bonked. You're helpless and you swallow it. The other Han is called Wanhan. Wanhan is the revenge, revolutionary change Han. It's the fight with our might Han. I'm going to fight you back. Let's get to the other Bonzo. Yes. But what happens when you hit Bonzo? He comes back. <laughs> So when we return evil with evil, it just keeps going back and forth, right? When does it stop? When you stop punching it. Now, this does not mean that you let Bonzo the Clown keep punching you around. That's not the point. The point is, is that we don't seek revenge. We don't repay evil with evil. We repay evil with good. Turning the cheek doesn't mean that you keep getting slapped around. It means that you don't slap back. Because more violence doesn't end violence. Ephesians 4 says, Emma, it says, go ahead and be angry. There is a righteous anger at times. It's okay. You do well to be angry. But do not use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil, whose name is liar and accuser and divider, don't give him that kind of foothold in your life. Next slide. Make a clean break with all the cutting and the backbiting and the profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive, 
forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God and Christ forgave you. Revenge is self-destructive, friends. Confucius even said, as you embark on a journey of revenge, dig two graves. Gandhi says, an eye for an eye only ends up making the whole world blind. We see revenge happen just even in the last week at Park Rose High School, a poor student who had a heart broken from a girlfriend decided to take revenge and brought a weapon to school. Thankfully, no one was injured physically. We think that we'll feel better if we get revenge. Scientifically, we actually do activate the reward center of our brain. <laughs> that all the studies show that people generally are less happy after they seek revenge on someone. We have a nonviolent kingdom of God. Matthew 5, if you read the Sermon on the Mound, I'm reading kind of from the message to give us a different taste and view of um, the word. But it says this, you are familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. Jesus says, I'm challenging that. I am telling you, I, the Alpha and Omega, I, the one with the name above all names, I am telling you, love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For when you're working out your true selves, your God-created selves. In a word, what I'm saying is, Grow up, become mature. That word in the Greek, grow up, become mature, become perfect, become complete. You are kingdom of God subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity, not like this world of violence and revenge. Live out something different in the world. Live generously and graciously towards each other, the way God lives towards you. This doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't ever talk about violence because, oh my goodness, if you've read it, it does. And that there's going to be no violence at the end of times. But Jesus is making it clear that the way, the how of the kingdom of God for when Jesus came and to when Jesus comes back is to be nonviolent. So what could this look like? Can we dream and look at it a little bit? So I have to say, um, in reading uh, Dr. Kyung's book, man, that swallow and wallow, Han, and the fight with your might, Han, never felt very satisfying <laughs> if those were my only two options. Let me get to the next slide. Keep going. Oops, go back, go back. Sorry. That is, there you go. She begins to talk about a third way. And isn't that what God gives us too? A third way. She talks about han pyori, which means to untangle 
the Han, the suffering and the pain in gentle, artistic, and revolutionary ways. There we go. Can you get the next picture? I thought I had only two options. <laughs> and a third wave came. So you can imagine if this is our Han. This is the entangled mess and pain. If we just swallow and wallow, it just stays. We swallow it, and it goes inside into a deep, bitter place. If we try to do something like this, I'm not going to hurt it because I really think it's pretty, but, um, <laughs> but if you get crazy with it, it gets more tangled, doesn't it? But if God wanted to co-create with us something new and beautiful, we would have to take some time and some tenderness to find all the little things, to untangle it and to make it into something beautiful and new. We don't fight for the kingdom of God with fists and swords and, and mean words. We fight with this radical love of healing and compassion. We fight with the righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I love this Harriet Tubman um, mural as this beautiful, creative, and gentle, revolutionary way of memory activism that's deconstructing historic, oppressive, racist narratives in our country, right? I see this Han Pyori here at West Hills. When we had the Black Panther event, we had a Marvel movie <laughs> to untangle some Han. <laughs> when we send people to go to volunteer at the Compassion Clinic, when we have courageous and hard conversations around things like immigration, when we intentionally uh, work together to have more multi-ethnic art and artists, when we invite lonely people into community, the hungry to meals. We have people here who are mentoring ex-offenders and loving families that are, have loved ones in prison. We have people here who are untangling the Han by selling wedding dresses to help combat human trafficking. We have safe families taking in kids in really tough situations to prevent them to go into the foster care system. Our biblical justice team is planning out fall workshops right now to learn from indigenous theologians and to have a seven-week curriculum on rethinking incarceration. People are giving up time and energy and homes for people that are in crisis. We are telling people about Jesus with word and deed. I hear and see people sitting with one another in life-changing hospital appointments. We here are untangling the Han with righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The how matters. Robert Smith um, has a net worth of five billion, billion dollars. He's an investor and a business person and a philanthropist. As a black man in America, regardless of the fact that he has two Ivy League degrees, has a huge amount of success and wealth, I am almost 100% sure that he has suffered Han 
more than once for being a black man in America. Instead of just swallowing it privately or seeking out fight and might with revenge and anger, Robert Smith practiced a gentle, creative, revolutionary Han Puri this past month. Let me show the video. We don't have the video. Just kidding. I will tell you about this amazing video. So Robert Smith goes, he's the commencement speaker at Morehouse College, which is a historic African-American male college. And he gets up and he says, I, I am going to put some fuel in your bus. My family and I today, for these 400 graduates of 2019, we, our family is putting together an endowment grant to pay off the whole 400 graduates' student loans. This so one 22-year-old said, man, if I could do backflips, I would do them. <laughs> Another one said um, he had a $90,000 uh, student loan, and his mom, who came from Atlanta, who was a school bus driver, um, along with the five other siblings, said, I have a big God. <laughs> The work of the kingdom of God is untangling the Han. The how is nonviolent, gentle, revolutionary, and creative. We unravel it thoughtfully to preserve its dignity so it could be created into something new. So how do we get there, friends? Because if it was like that beautiful, wouldn't we all do it, right? Um, how do we get there? First and foremost is that we have to have reliance on God and God first. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit. One of the affirmations of the covenant that I love is a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. I love that in that Romans 14 passage that we read, that all that work of the kingdom, the righteousness, peace, and joy, it says, in the Holy Spirit. And we need to rest. We need to rest from our control and our striving. We've got to rest in God. We've got to stop trying to, to make it all happen and at some time rest so that we can come be filled back up with the Spirit and go back out again. Two things, honest reflection. Man, especially when I'm hurt, I have to ask the question, does the righteousness, peace, and joy of the kingdom in my heart, is it reflected and manifested in my soul? And when I say honest reflection and I ask that question, we have to ask, are we thinking this whole sermon, so-and-so needs to hear this? Okay, so if you are doing that, that's the flag. That's the flag that you probably need to sit down and have some personal, honest reflection. Whenever we're thinking so-and-so needs to hear it, it means so-and-so is us, right? Because James 4 says this. Emma's my awesome clicker today. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? 
You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, and you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Eugene Cho recently put up some questions from Henry Nowen that said this. We have to honestly reflect and ask, did I offer peace today? Actually, let's read it together. Did I offer peace today? Did I bring a smile to someone's face? Did I say words of healing? Did I let go of my anger and resentment? Did I forgive? Did I love? These are the real questions. So this week, this month, this year, my friends, take time to rely on God by honest reflecting and resting in him. The second is humble repentance. I love that what God, what, oh my goodness, Mark, not God. Um, what, what Mark was saying last week about the why, um, when he came to that Ezekiel passage and he said, man, the why of the kingdom of God is that we need new hearts, right? We need God to give us new hearts to replace our hearts of stone and put them with a heart of flesh. Colossians 3 says this, So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is all idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you used to live, but now you must rid yourself of all of these such things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with all of its practices and you put on your new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator the new heart that only God can give. The good news, my friend, when we actually humbly repent, the good news is that there is nobody and nothing that is so far from God that God cannot redeem or heal or forgive or restore or make new again. Amen? Our God is that big and that loving. But we have to have that honest reflection and we have to have that humble repentance. The last piece is how do we get there? Man, it's the Holy Spirit. I think I said that already. I'm intentionally saying it again. John 20, as we ended Easter, I've been sitting with John 20 for a long time now since Easter. So this is what happens, right? Jesus dies. Jesus raised again. Jesus goes to the ladies, to the women. They're all like, they all believe him. The women, they go to the disciples. They don't believe the women. I'm going to just pause there. I'm going to come back. So then Jesus says three, three words three times, the same thing. Now you have to think about this. In the, in the scripture, it says that they were scared. Can you imagine? They just saw their leader die. What's going to happen to us? They're coming after us now. They're scared. They, it says that they locked the doors. They are grieving. Their best friend just was killed. 
publicly, right? There is fear, there is sorrow, there is grief. All of this in that moment, Jesus says this phrase to them three times. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. And he breathed the Spirit on them. And when he breathes the Spirit, and when God breathes the Spirit, he is doing something new, like at the beginning of creation, right? He breathes something new. And then you know what he says? I'm sending you, and this is what I'm sending you to do. Forgive. Forgive, forgive, forgive. How is the kingdom of God going to happen? It is going to happen through us who are fearful and scared and grieving and God coming to us and saying, peace be with you. I'm sending you to forgive. What a nonviolent way to make hanpyori. Forgive as I have forgiven you. It's a powerful moment because the last time he says, peace be with you, Thomas touches the scar in Jesus' hand. That Jesus still has the wounds, the han, the pain, the remembering of the injury but yet he still says, peace be with you, and forgive. We recently begun to use communion wafers from Hindustani Covenant Church in India to help support Indian women vulnerable to trafficking. About a month ago, the Hindustani Covenant Church pastor, Pastor Nandu, father of five daughters, was assaulted by religious extremists while he was walking home from preaching in one of the 10 villages he serves. He died several days later in the hospital. Even during his treatment in the hospital, he was praying for his people. He was praying for the people who beat and injured him. He was truly reflecting the attitude of Jesus and forgave the people who took his life away. He decided to not hate these people, but to love them, and start a social development work in his village to show Christ's love for them, and to give peace to his own soul. Han Pyori. That's how the kingdom of God happens. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Receive the breath of the Holy Spirit and forgive. Again and again and again and forgive. And that is how the how will see the kingdom of God. Not just externally in the world, 
with the kingdom of God in our own hearts. Let's pray. Lord, we humbly repent and come before you. We are not God, and you are. We so desperately need your Holy Spirit to breathe new life in us, to untangle the so many tangles of the Han that is in our deepest parts of our life. God, we thank you that you do it tenderly and creatively with much love and compassion. Transform us today. And may the kingdom of God be actualized in the world are around us in our hands and our words and our thoughts, but in our own souls. In Jesus' name, amen.